opportunities, and we want to take advantage of everything God has said it was going to be. It's also a year of financial gain for anyone that can accept that. Amen. Uh, so we're thankful and we're grateful for what the Lord is saying and what he's saying to the house. Now, uh, this morning we want to go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 10. It's where we're going to uh, begin our venture this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. If anyone has missed any of us, the series of the messages, please let me know. We do have a DVD at home, and we can make a copy so you won't anything because we need every part of the battle plan that the Lord has because, of course, you know the enemy does not want us to uh, achieve or have whatever God has for us. Uh, but if you, if you so desire for the, the, those uh, missing parts of uh, the series that we've done here that the Lord has given, please let us know and we will be able to get that for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you today. We thank you, Lord God, for another opportunity, another uh, privilege to be able to stand and declare your word, to, to give to your people that which you've given unto us. And Father God, we thank you, Lord God, because you love us enough to prepare us for the things that we will encounter in, in this new year. We thank you, Lord God, because you are an awesome God. You are a powerful God and you are a mighty God. And you are God that will reveal all things to us before anything takes place. So now, Father God, we ask in your son Jesus' name that you allow me to decrease, decrease and allow your Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, that he will rise up, Father God. We ask, Lord God, that allow me to be your mouthpiece. Allow me to speak on behalf of you that ambassador for you, God. And God, we just thank you for it right now. And we bind up every hindering spirit. We cast every vain imagination down. And Lord God, we just trust and believe that all things will be received and we will put in the reservoir of our souls. And we thank you for it right now. This we ask in your son Jesus' name and be glorified, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number number 10 and the thought uh, for today will be our weapons of warfare our weapons of warfare we have been dealing with strongholds uh, last Wednesday we, we dealt with, with strongholds we, we dealt with one called Gideon and how when one stronghold is torn down of course there are some others that remain but then the Lord began to speak, and he said, a lot of times, the reason why a lot of strongholds remain is because we're not fighting with the right thing. We haven't really fully understood the power of the weapons that we have. And the weapons adds an S to that. Now, let's begin with Second Corinthians chapter number 10, uh, beginning at verse number 4. Verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. I mean, they are not fleshly. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So our weapons, the weaponry that, that we have as, as Christians, as the body of Christ, we don't fight with fleshly weapons. And probably that's why we lose so many battles, because we don't really understand the weaponry 
that God has given unto us and how even to use it. Now, there are three things that God says about these three verses that we're going to talk about here in Second uh, Corinthians. He said, first of all, we have to have faith in our weapons, our weaponry. We have to have faith. It will not work if we do not believe in the weaponries that God has given us. One thing we have to understand, our weapons are spiritual. That's the part the body of Christ is missing. It says uh, warfare is spiritual. Our enemy who is Satan is spiritual. He's a spirit. And see, so often we try to, to fight flesh and blood, but we don't recognize the fact that the enemy is spiritual. We are spirit beings. God is a spirit. The Bible says we worship him in spirit and truth. God is a spirit. Satan is a spirit. That's why you can't see him because he's a spirit. We, we, we understood uh, uh, within our series that flesh and blood is only a tool. This is only a tool that the enemy uses. So what he's after is he's after our soul. So we've got to recognize that we have to use spiritual weapons in order to, to defeat him and to pull down our strongholds. And the third thing is that Satan's strongholds are ignorance, prejudice, we see a lot of that going on, loss, vain imaginations, and reasoning, and, and, and every high thought. These are some of the devices that Satan used. So in verse number four, we have to understand we are in warfare, but the only way that we can pull down the strongholds it is through God himself. Because the word of God says, but our weaponry is but mighty through God. There is, it, it, our weapons cannot be of any effect if we don't operate through God. We have to operate through God in order to pull down the stronghold. If we still have a stronghold that we're still working with, that means we are not operating through God and has not totally surrendered and turned it over to God. Now, the next thing says in verse number 5, it says casting down, because this is what our weaponry do. It's casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the first thing that caught my mind in, in that particular verse, when it talks about casting down imaginations, I, I looked up the word imagination. And this is the definition of imagination. It says, the will working on the materials of the memory, not satisfied with following the order prescribed by nature. It selects parts of the memory to form a whole that's more pleasing, that's more terrible, that's more awful, and then, uh, and then it's, ordinary, uh, um, it's ordinary causes uh, of nature. Well, what does that all that mean? It means that with our imagination, and I'm going to um, share something with you that I've learned, because once you look at imagination, you get to think about image. And you break that word image on down, you, you, you think about uh, the uh, imagine, and then you think about image. But when we think about the brain, because I want to go something as, as far as the brain, we have what we call the prefortex 
here in our memory, in our mind. The other part that we have is called the limbic, which is the limbic system. Now, the pre-vortex is a reasoning where we reason, we rationalize what's right and what's wrong. It's where we feel pain, where we, uh, um, the choices and, and, and the consequences, all this comes through the, this, that part of the mind. But when it comes down to the limbic, the limbic part of our brain, it does not know about pain. It doesn't know about suffering. All it knows about is pleasure. So what it does is anytime we have pain, uh, uh, anytime that we don't want um, to feel the results of our consequences of the actions we've taken, immediately the limbic, which is part of that brain, it immediately goes into pleasure. All it wants to do is have pleasure, have fun. So what it does, it captivates, it overrides that pre-vortex of, of our reasoning, which is the, the front part of our brain. So what does all that mean? It means even as a child, whatever image that we allow to go into our memory and that limbic, whenever we want to escape pain or we want to escape situation, circumstance, immediately it goes to that part of the brain called the limbic because all it wants to feel is pleasure. And that's why we have so many situations and circumstances in our life. Now, the key thing that we have to remember is this. Whatever you feel, as a child, whatever you looked at, whatever image was formed in your mind, it remains right there in that limbic part of your brain. It stays there. So if it's negative, if you feed it, then it's going to uh, get stronger and stronger and stronger till it gets to a point where it will override your reasoning. It has to do with the air. It has to do with food. It has to do with your emotions. It has to do with sexuality. It ha it's, it's a survival meca uh, mechanism. So it's very important that we would understand. That's why it says casting down these imaginations, casting down the imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. What it does, it, it hijacks the reasoning part of our brain, and all we want to do is pleasure. In other words, have a good time. Y'all, you may think about that. All you want to do is have a good time. No consequences, no pain, no sorrow, no tears. All it thinks about is having pleasure. So God says, in order to, to pull down, that's why he says, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You see, the reasoning and, and our right nature comes from the knowledge of God. God says in his word that he put what's right and what's wrong is written on the table of our hearts from the very beginning. He says no man should teach you, have to teach you, and the reason being is already written in your heart. So if you think about it, you don't have to teach a child how to do bad. Think about a baby. Think about a baby. It will automatically do wrong. Cut some music on, and what does that, that baby start doing? Thinking about it. They start doing their thing. You didn't teach them. You may say, well, well, where did they get that from? If you didn't teach it, somewhere they saw it, they witnessed it, and then automatically they go about doing the wrong thing. So even if they want to touch something that, that they ought not to touch, you know, immediately when you tell them, no, don't do that, they jump, they move, they move away from it. They automatically know something is wrong. So there are strongholds, and God says there are ways that we have to deal with strongholds. Now, it says we have to bring some things into captivity. Every 
thought has to be brought into captivity. Now, in that in that limit part of our brain, we got all kind of thoughts going on. You know, anything that's pleasurable, that's where we go. But now God is saying, and look at verse number six. It says, and having in a readiness to revenge in I heard the word this morning, annihilate. We have to annihilate all disobedience. All disobedience. And then it says, when your obedience is fulfilled, the only way that disobedience can be annihilated is when we begin to operate in obedience according to the word of God. Now, we're talking about weapons of warfare. Now, let's go to the book of Judges. Let's go to the book of Judges. Let's go to the book of Judges. Judges is in the Old Testament. It's right after the book of Joshua. Remember now, we're talking about weapons of warfare. And we want to deal with one particular weapon, which is a mighty weapon that we have that we don't always use when it comes down to warfare. Remember now, our weaponry is spiritual. We cannot fight Satan on his terms. We can't fight with flesh and blood. That does not work. Judges chapter number one. Are we there? Judges chapter number one. I'm going to read two verses, and then we're going to go to the book of uh, Chronicles. Um, Judges chapter number one. It says, Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us? against the Canaanites. Now, these Canaanites, these are strongholds. It says, uh, and then he, they ask of the Lord, who shall go up against the Canaanites first? It says, to fight against them. Look at verse number two. Verse two says, and the Lord said, Judah. Judah shall go up. Now, the word Judah means praise. So, what's, what God says, our first weaponry that we need to use Whenever we want to tear down those vain imaginations or those strongholds, the first weapon that we need to use is praise. Now, how many times we've gone through some situations and, 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 and instead of worshiping and praising God, um, we, we go on a, a different tangent, you know, because it's not normal. It's not in, in our minds. It's not normal when we got situations going on for us to go and praise and begin to worship God. People think you're crazy. Now, I'm going to... Um, Thank you, Holy Spirit, if I may. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, I remember, and, and when I, my mind immediately flashed, when I looked at Minister Marcellette, when I said, um, immediately you go into praise, you go into worship, uh, when things happen and you face a difficult situation. I remember when, when her son Raymond passed away, and we were at the hospital. And I remember when we were there in that room, it, you know what, what happened there in that room? Immediately, she went into a place of praise. She began to speak in tongues. She began to glorify God. Not so much about his death, but it was a way of, of reaching and touching God. See, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, God says, use your weaponry. And your weaponry is the first one is praise. Praise pulled down strongholds. So what is your stronghold today? What stronghold is left? What stronghold is hindering us from being in a relationship with God? Now, I told you this week I was tried all week long because God had given me 
this word, not only for me, but to give to the people as well. So he says, go into a place of, of, of praise. Begin to worship me. Begin to uh, uh, magnify me. Begin to exalt my name. And when you do that, God will begin to uh, act on your behalf. Now let's go to the book of Second Chronicles, and we're going to see how God acts on the behalf of his people when we go into a place of praise. Amen? Because the first thing you want to do is praise. You want to begin to glorify God. You're not glorifying the situation or the circumstance. You are magnifying God. You're, you're, you're allowing the Lord to do some things that you can't do, but God can. Amen? And let's see in the scripture how praise actually works when it comes down to being one of our weaponry. That God says, remember now, our weapons of warfare is spiritual. Warfare is spiritual. The enemy is spiritual. So the only way we can defeat him, we've got to use spiritual weapons. The first weapon, he says, is a weapon of praise. Amen? It's a weapon of praise. Now, Second Chronicles chapter number 20. Second Chronicles chapter number 20. He's talking about how to deal with strongholds, how to use our weaponry, how, how to use it. Second Chronicles chapter number 20. Talk about our weapons, our weapons. Because when we find ourselves in situations and circumstances that are difficult, the enemy does not expect us to go into a place of praise. He does not expect us to, to worship God. Are we there? Second Chronicles chapter number 20, beginning reading at verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Amorites, they came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Now, whenever you begin to try to do the right thing, you can expect for the enemy to show up. You can, you can, you can expect for him to show up. When, you, when you're trying to get rid of these strongholds, you can expect the enemy to show up. Now let's drop down to verse number 3. Verse number 3 in Second Chronicles chapter number 20. Verse 3 says, And Jehoshaphat feared. Anytime we have situations that seem to be difficult, the first spirit that wants to rise up uh, within us is a spirit of fear. And that is a dangerous spirit. How do I know? Because oftentimes I operate in the spirit of fear. Can we be real? Amen. See, you have to acknowledge what's there. Because you can't uh, 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 tear something down if you don't acknowledge that it's there. So the first thing that happens here, when he hears about the enemy and what's happening, he begins to operate in the spirit. And by the way, fear is a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. He said, and Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to do what? To seek the Lord. Whenever the enemy comes up against us, the first thing we want to do, we need to seek the Lord. And he said, and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. Judah meaning praise. And Judah gathered themselves together to do what? Ask help of the Lord. Most time we pick up that, they call it the, the hell phone, cell phone, whatever. We pick that up and we, we begin to call on flesh and blood. But God says what we need to do is we need to seek help from the Lord. In other words, we go into prayer first. Because then if God so chooses to use a, 
a human being, then he will put his words in their mouth so when they speak to you, they will be speaking words of God and not speaking words of flesh. So God says, the uh, first thing that has to happen, you get to ask help of the Lord. He said, then he says, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Whenever the enemy is coming up against you, we've got to seek God. Now, let's jump down to verse number 12. Just one teach, okay? Just one teach. Just one teach. Now, verse number 12 says, of our God, see, Jehoshaphat now is having a conversation with God. See, he reminded God of, of all the things that, that he had been uh, told by his forefathers. So now he says in verse number 12, he said, Oh, our God, will thou not judge them to those things that's coming up against you? See, you, you can always put God's word back to him because God honors his word. He says, For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Now, here's a place where we've got to come to. We have to acknowledge that there's nothing we can do in our own power. See, they recognize the fact, so, but we have no might against this great company. Now, understand this. Whenever Satan comes up against you, he's not going to come by himself. He's going to bring all his little demons and all his little hatchments with him. So, and this is what we're going to go to God and say, God, I, I can't handle this battle. I mean, I, I, I can't do this, Lord. I need you. See, when we consult him, that's why God says we have to consult him in all things. So they acknowledge here that they could not do anything with the company that was coming up against them, but they didn't acknowledge the fact that their eyes was upon the Lord. God says this, if we keep our eyes on him, he will keep us in perfect what? Perfect peace. And uh, if we can just keep our mind, keep our eyes, keep our vision upon God, God says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. He says, this is what I'll do. So they acknowledge that they knew that they need to have uh, not only console God, but keep our eyes stayed on the Lord. Because he said, we keep our eyes stayed on him. He'll keep us on perfect, in perfect peace. And then verse number 13 says, And all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Now, let's look at verse 15. Now, in verse 14, God will speak to somebody. God will put his words in somebody's mouth, and he will give us the message or the information that we need for battle. Amen? Now, verse 15 says, And he said, because they, here there, there's a young man, as they have prayed, that's why it's so important, I hear your Holy Spirit, that's why it's so important to be able to hear the voice of God. Because you never know who God is going to speak to. He can speak to a child. He can speak to a jackass. And we know that scripturally. And God can do that. So we've got to train our ear to be able to hear what the Lord has to say. Now, he says this in verse number 15. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and praise, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, He's speaking to praise and peace because he wants us to be peaceful. He said, And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus said the Lord unto you, Be not what? Afraid. So the first thing God does, he addresses our fear. He addresses our fear. He said, Don't be afraid. Why is that? Because we've got God on our side. 
But that's why we don't have to be afraid. He said, Thus said the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude. For the battle is what? The battle is not whose? Yours, but who? It's God's. It is the most difficult thing, and it has been for me as well, to turn it all over to the Lord. Amen. Turn it on. To let go and let God. Turn it over. Give it to God. See, here God is saying, he said, listen. He said, the battle is not yours. He said, the battle is here. How many times we, God says, we engage in a battle that's not ours and get defeated? He said, but you got to understand, first of all, it's a God battle. It's, it's, it's not yours. It's not. It's not yours. But it's God's. Now look at verse number 16. God always, that's why it's important to hear the voice of God. God always has a strategy. God always has a plan. Now verse 16 says, tomorrow, which means your next season, he said, go ye down against them. Interesting. Go ye down. That let me know that Satan is not above me. He's beneath me. And when we come to that understanding, we'll know how to fight. Because, see, so often we have put Satan on the same level of God. He is no competition for the master. We have put him on the same level with God. No, no, no. God and, and, and his weapons, uh, they are mighty. Praise is mighty. And pulling down that stronghold that Satan has caused to be exalted in our mind. Most of the time the battle is in the mind. And because it's in the mind, and the mind is spiritual, we don't know how to fight. And the God said the reason why we don't know how to fight is because we're not using the right weaponry. We've got to use spiritual weapons. We want to use, put up a deuce, and we want to fight, we want to use words. That's uh-uh. No. You use spiritual weapons against a spiritual enemy. Amen. Now, he says, your next season, you're going to go down. He said, Behold, they come up by the cliff of Zeal. Now, the cliff of uh, Zeal means blooming in the spirit. Blooming in the spirit. See, whenever, whenever we begin to blossom in the spirit, you can expect the enemy to come up against us. Now, when we're babes in Christ, he knows we're going to fall up and down. But one thing he does not want us to do or to become is mature in the spirit. Because he knows that if we become mature in the spirit, then we will know that our weapons are spiritual. We automatically go into a spirit of praise. As my sister went into a spirit of speaking in tongues, she began to uh, uh, converse with God. You know, it didn't make any difference about who else was in the room. It was about her and the Lord. And that's how she was able to, to win that battle at that particular time. So he's saying now, whenever, you, whenever you're blooming in the spirit, expect the enemy to show up when you begin to grow. You know, you know it's like this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Whenever you begin to grow in the, the wisdom and the knowledge of God, whenever you have that thirst and hunger for the word of God and you feel yourself growing, that's when the enemy shows up. And the next thing you know, we begin to fall back. The very thing God tells us we need to do, we begin to move away from that. 
And you know what the enemy does? He uses all kind of tricks. I mean, I mean, he he he'll tell us we're too tired, or or he'll tell us uh, uh weather. You know, you don't need to go outside because of the weather. You know, and when you think about it, you know, sometimes we got uh we call them foul weather Christians. As long as the sun is shining, we show up. But you know, but when it rains, then 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 we decide to stay at home. But if if it was a work day, and it rained, don't we go? Amen. Yeah, it's all right to say amen, because we know it's truth, right? And and we be on time too, right? We, we we be on time. In fact, some of us be before time, right? But what happens when it comes down to God's house, whose payoff is far greater than what man can give you? See, we we about to we about to see all that is is an, another tool of Satan. That's all it is. It, it, it's something that he uses because he knows. If I can rob them, then they won't have what God uh, wants them to have. So, so whenever you're growing in the spirit, watch how Satan comes in and intervenes. Watch how he he begins. To, you know, thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, if if we got every CD that God had from the last of December up until now, if we would look at our own lives, we will recognize the hand of the enemy. Because, see, God has already foretold us everything that was going to happen. I think in, back in December, God says the enemy is going to come with the spirit of division. Amen? Now, think about it. how many homes have the enemy tried to come with with the spirit of division. It's not that God did not warn us. God told us what was going to happen. And, see, once he tells us what's going to happen, when we see Satan operating, we say, okay, oh, Satan, I see you. I know what this is. When he told us the land that we were entering in in this year is a new frontier, there are going to be new possibilities, new opportunities, you can expect the enemy to show up to stop those possibilities that God has for your life and every opportunity God's going to present. That's what's going to happen. But then also he dealt with those strongholds. Those strongholds that we have on the inside do not want to leave. They have taken residence. They're feeling very comfortable. Y'all remember the scripture when it talks about the man had the demon and, and he had swept the house. I think the word says it was gone as clean. In other words, he cleaned out his house, but he didn't replace it with anything. So the demon leaves the house, this temple. He leaves. He goes, and the Bible says he walked through dry ground, seeking where he finds a resident to stay. You know, we talked about Wednesday about um, Satan living free. Paying no rent in the mind. He's living rent-free. A lot of us allow Satan to live rent-free when he should not be living rent-free. So that demon, he goes out, and he's trying to find a place where he can reside. Demons have to have a body to live in because they're spirits. Okay? So what happens is when he gets out there and he can't find anybody to dwell in, his, his words are he's going back to his house. In other words, his house. He's talking about your, your temple. He's calling it his house. So then he comes back with seven more worse than he is. And the reason why he's able to take over is because we have not put anything on the inside. We just cleaned it out. Huh. We ain't put no new furniture in it, so to speak. We ain't put no new furniture in it. So he comes in and he takes over and he says the last, the last state of that man is worse than what it was before. So it's very important. We need to understand uh, how the enemy is operating. 
every word that God gives uh, uh, during this series, we've got to make sure we catch hope, we hold on, keep it in the reservoir of our soul, because Satan is after your soul. He does not care about your flesh. He wants your soul so he, you can reside with him in hell, in the lake of fire. So that, that's what he wants. And see, that's why we get to fight him with spiritual weapons. Now, but God has a strategy. God has a plan. First of all, he sees that God, God will show you exactly where the enemy is. Now, in verse 16, it's, it talks about he's right there at the place where you're blooming in the spirit. You can tell when you're growing in God. You can tell when you're blooming. Then the Bible goes on to say, ye shall find them. See, it's not him, now it's a them. He's got a host there. At the end of the brook, where your blessings are. It says, before the wilderness of Jerel. Now, the wilderness of Jerel is the vision of God. So, right there where the, where your, where the God's vision he has for your life, the purpose that he has for your life, the enemy wants to make sure that you do not carry out the will of God that he has for your life. Now, let's look at Jeremiah chapter number 29. Jeremiah chapter number 29. Because this is, this is what God says about his children. Jeremiah chapter number 29. Are we there? Jeremiah chapter number 29. And we're going to look at verse number 11. Remember now, the enemy is, is trying to put out your vision. And that's the vision that God has for your life. Now, Jeremiah chapter number 29, verse number 11 says, this is God speaking. He says, for I know the thoughts, that means the plans, that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Now, that word peace there has so many meanings in the Hebrew. That word peace there, he says, I, I know the thoughts I have, uh, the plans I have for your welfare. Uh, it includes your happiness, your safety, your favor, your prosperity. All that is in that word called peace. God says, uh, for I know the thoughts or the plans that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, thoughts of your, your welfare, thoughts of your happiness, uh, thoughts of your safety and your favor. See, Satan wants to interrupt the plans God has for your life. And he says, and not of evil. So many of us think God's got a hammer. He's sitting up there waiting to whack us across the head. He says, his thoughts toward us are not ones of evil. And he says, to bring you to an expected end. God has a plan and a purpose for everybody's life. But it is Satan's job to make sure we do not reach our destiny. That's why we've got to know about our weaponry. We've got to begin to operate with spiritual weapons and not fleshly. Amen. Now, look at verse number 17. We're back in Second Chronicles, chapter number 20. We're back here in verse. Let's look at verse number 17. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, this is God speaking. Now, he showed, he's shown us where the enemy is. He's shown us that at the time of your spiritual growth, that's, and when you're blossoming, that's when the enemy comes because he, he doesn't want you to grow. He does not want you to grow spiritually. So, therefore, he shows up. He shows up at the end of the book. He shows up right, right where your blessings are. Huh. 
He wants to make sure he put out your vision. You know? So in verse number 17, it says, but this is what I love about God. He said, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. He says, set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah, praise, and Jerusalem, which is peace. He says, fear not. He, he speaks it again. He says, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, which is your next season, go out against them, for the Lord will be well with you. We've got to remember, any time we go out into battle, any time the enemy comes up against us, God is right there with us. He says, fear not. You know, don't be afraid. He says, speak words of faith to that spirit of, of fear. See, Fear is the opposite of faith. So God says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. If it looks like you've outnumbered, it looks like you've lost the battle, God said, don't be dismayed. God says, I got this. That's what God is saying. He said, I got this. Just use your weaponry. It's spiritual and not fleshly. It's not about wealth. It's not about success. It's not about how much money you got. It's not about what you drive. It's not about where you live. God says in order to defeat this enemy in this warfare, we have to use spiritual weapons. Praise is a spiritual weapon. Well, how do we know? Let's see what God says in the book. Okay. Now let's drop down to verse number 20 in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. Verse 20 says, and they rose early in the morning, and they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. Now, the wilderness of Tekoa is where the trumpet of praise is. I mean, you're going to be in a place of sounding the trumpet. And that is a spirit of praise. This is where they go first. You begin to sound the trumpet. You begin to sound the spirit of praise. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. Stand and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Watch what he says. Who are we supposed to believe in in this battle? He said, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be what? Established. You'll be, you'll be rooted. You'll be grounded. If you believe in the Lord, you'll be established. Then he goes on to say, Believe his prophets, so shall ye do what? Prosper. You'll be successful in whatever you're going after. See, there's two things there. You've got to believe in God. God's going to establish you. But you also have to believe in the word that God brings through the, the mouth of the prophet or through the messenger. Then you're going to prosper. Well, what do you mean? Prospering money? No, no, no. You want to prosper in this battle because, see, you can have all the money in the world. But if you still got them strongholds, you can rest assured, whatever that stronghold is, it's going to rob you of everything that you have. So, therefore, you get to make sure that our weaponry, we got to use spiritual weapons. So, it's important. It's, it's so important that that prospering has many facets to it. Many facets. Now, watch what God says here in verse 21. It says, and when he had consulted with the people, what did he appoint? Now, see that verse there, verse number 21. And when he had consulted with the people... He appointed what? Wow. Now think about that. You're going in the battle, 
and you're going to fight the enemy, and God says, put the praise team out there. Now just think about that. You're in a spiritual battle. You got, you know, you see them, you see your enemy out there, a host of them. They're ready to come up against you, and God tells you, send out the praise team. I'm like, okay, God, where's some of my cue? You know what I like about that? He appointed the scene. You see, you can't send up everybody in praise for you. Uh-uh. You can't send anybody out there for you now. You got to make sure you know who you're sending in front of you because you're going in the battle. He says, send out the praise team first. That's why it's so important when we come into the house that praise, we all week long, we should have some time with God. We should be in a place of praise and worship with God. You know why? Because when we come into the house, we're fighting a spiritual battle. Because, see, you've got to fight before the word comes forth. Why? Because the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep the word from coming forth for you to hear. Because, see, the word is life-changing. So you've got to make sure you spend some time with God and you begin to praise God. You begin to worship God. See, a lot of times we don't realize how important praise is. We think it is microphones. We think it's booty boots all that stuff. No! You're fighting warfare. Praise is nothing but warfare. See, what we don't understand is we've, we've gotten so complacent just going through the motions. No! You can't go through the motions. You cannot go through the motions. This is a spiritual battle. You're fighting warfare. Think about all the hell you may have gone through before you got here. Think about the hell you went through all week. Think about the hell you're going to reach next week. You've got to fight some stuff. And you've got to make sure those that are standing out there in front, that they, they got to know how to praise and worship God. In other words, they got to know how to reach God. they got to know how to pull on God. And see, so when you know how to pull on God, God begins to work on your, on your behalf. Don't, don't come raggedy. Praise thee. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Don't come raggedy. You're in spiritual warfare. You've got a job. You have a position. And you've been enlisted by the Father. See, when we understand we are soldiers in God's army, and whatever we do here, it, it destroys, it breaks some yokes off of people's lives. You never know what folk come in the house with. And if you're right with God and you're full of praise, you can destroy through the power of God. Because you remember now, the word says, is, um, the weaponry is mighty through God, through God, mighty through God. So when God begins to operate in you through praise, whether it's your voice or whether it is on the musical instruments, that's all you're doing is destroying yokes. People come in with yokes on them. People come in with burdens on them. That's why it's so important about praise. Why do you think Satan won't like to get in the, in, in the midst of crowd Because he knows if he can disrupt stuff, then you'll never hear what God has to say. And if your mind is not right when you come into the house to give God praise, then you're not going to give him praise. It's just going to be something false. But understand what your position is. How important it is. You're, you're in warfare. It's, it's about somebody else's life besides your own. You think about when people coming in, you don't know what they're faced with. So what we do is arm ourselves with praise. When you arm yourself with praise, you can arm, you're talking about chains falling off, let the chains fall, let the love fall. When we're caught up in praise, you automatically, them things begin to drop. They'll begin to drop off the folks. 
they'll begin to drop. And when they leave out of this place, they won't be the same way. They won't be in bondage. They won't be chained down. The spirit of depression has to go. Talk about weaponries. Praise. God said you send out the singers. He said, I'll point, I'll point to singers. He told them, watch what happens when the right singers is out front. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, and he says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. The, the singers are singing unto the Lord. It's not about entertainment world. It's about giving God adoration and praise. A lot of times we come with a lot of entertainment. No, 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 no. You cannot break anything with entertainment. Because people come in one way and they leave the same way. Why? Because they've been entertained. My God, you can go to the club and get entertained. But our job here is to destroy the wickedness that's in high places. We're in warfare. Warfare. Then he says, he said, Point singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness. We're praising God. You're, you're thinking about how awesome God is. You think about his holiness and, and, and the wonders of who he is. And then it says, and they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endure forever. You know what? If we ever stood to give God praise and think about the mercies that he has upon our life, if we would take a, a, a reflection back in our lives, it's easy to praise God. When we think about what God has brought us through, see, the thing is we don't reflect enough on the goodness of God. We don't, when, we, when we begin to reflect the things he brought us out of, the, the, the places he, he brought us into, well, we have a tendency to forget as the body of Christ. God says, you you got to go in and you got to praise him. And you think about whatever situation you faced that week and you saw God uh, uh, act on your behalf, he said, that's enough to give God a praise for. You just, you just got to think about that. And then it goes on and watch what happens when we begin to acknowledge the mercies of God Give him praise. Watch what happens, what God will do. Verse 22 says, And when they did what? Begin to sing and to praise. He didn't say that at the end. He said at the beginning. At the beginning. And when they began, began, when they started off, that means they came fired up. They came fired up. Nobody had to pump them up. Nobody had to tell me, you know, God, to God be the glory, and you know, highly, I'm how you, um, highly favored, and all that. No, you come, you come full of fire. And at the very beginning, he says, uh, and when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, and when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, this is what happens when we come in and we're in a place of praise. He says, the Lord set an ambush. Against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which was come against Judah, and they were smitten. In other words, when we begin to praise God, magnify God, glorify God, God do a surprise attack on him. He does a surprise attack. So everything that's coming up against you, because you've been glorifying God, you've been magnifying God, you've been telling God how, 
how wonderful, how beautiful he is, his holiness, then God said, oh, my children are adoring. They're, they're thinking on me. Their mind is up on me. God said, I've got to do something. Because he sees your enemy coming up against you. So what God does, he does that, that surprise attack. He set that ambush. And then not only does he set the ambush, but he says they were smitten. Watch how God allowed the enemy to do to himself what we can't do. Remember that God says the battle is not ours. A spiritual weapon, he says, send out praise first. Send out praise. Watch what praise does. Watch what praise does. Verse 23 says, For the children of Ammon and Moab, they stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. Now these are joint forces of the enemy. Now there's two of them go up against the, uh, the other one. He says, ultimately to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. In other words, the enemy turned on one another. All because of praise. The weapon is called praise. Praise is spiritual. And when we use that weapon called praise, then it will cause God to move and it will cause the enemy to turn on one another. And when they turn on you, have you ever seen the devil turn on one another? It, that, that's, that's, that's what happens. When we begin to praise God, when we, begin to, when we begin to praise him, and they begin to destroy one another. But that's not the end of the story. Now verse 24 says, And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, that means they hadn't even got there yet. The battle was going on, and praise hadn't even arrived on the scene yet. That's power. You're praising God. You're glorifying God. Your mind is focused on God. And God got a battle going on over with the enemy. And God is whooping the enemy. And you hadn't even showed up yet. That's why he said the battle is his and not yours. Because you hadn't even got on the, on, the, on the turf of the enemy yet. But God is already there. It's the Bible says here, And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were what? Dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none had escaped. So God said, listen, let me handle you. just praise me. You just praise me. And see, when you get through praising, whatever that situation, circumstances is in your life, whatever came up against you, God said, you won't get looking for it. They won't even be there. And the reason being is because God said, you went into a spirit of praise. Now watch what happens here. This is the last of it. Watch what happens when you go and you find all of the, the, uh, the dead bodies. You find those strongholds gone. Understand now, why would a person have a stronghold? Must be something valuable in it, right? So everything that you have, if there's a stronghold in our life, that means there's something valuable in that stronghold. The enemy trying to keep you from uh, removing that stronghold or taking down that wall called Jericho. Watch, what, watch what's in that stronghold. Because when, when the enemy uh, 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 is destroyed, God destroys the enemy, and you just show up. Now verse 25 says, And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the what? The spoil of them. They found among them in abundance hmm, both riches with the dead bodies, huh, precious jewels, 
which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days and gathering of the spoil. It was so much. You know, the enemy got so much about stuff, it just don't make no sense. In that battle, in the battle that you're going, you're going against Satan, and you're using that spirit of praise, anytime there's a battle, there's always spoils left over. And spoils is not nothing bad. Spoils are good things. Those, those, those are the things that really belong to you that the enemy has. He hasn't. But here God says, you just show up. You praise me, you show up, and then you gather the goods. Because anytime you're in battle, everything that's left in the battle belongs to you. The spoils are yours. Now, if you don't want the spoils, then I'll take them. I'll take them. I mean, I ain't got a problem with that. You know, because it says when they get there, everything they thought they had to do as far as fighting, God had already done. Have you ever tried to work out in your mind about a situation, how am I going to handle this situation? What am I going to do? And then when you get there, when the situations come, it turns itself completely around, and you didn't have nothing to do with it. God had already worked it out. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And all you've got to do is capture what's left over. And those are, I mean, when you look at the wealth that's left, not only, I'm not talking materially, I'm talking about that spiritual knowledge that God has, that the enemy takes from us. How to pull down those strongholds. See, those are vain imagination. God says they're high. And see, when we operate so much in disobedience, that's why when we start operating in obedience, and obedience is fulfilled, the whole thing changes. It changes. It's, it's a powerful mechanism that we call praise. A spiritual weapon. Spiritual. A spiritual weapon. God said, begin to praise me. Begin to glorify me. I don't care what you're facing. What the situation may be. He said, go into the spirit of praise. Go into praise. And watch what happened to your enemy when you begin to praise God. God said, I'll work for you. I'll, I'll set an ambush against your enemy. All you've got to do is just praise. All you got to do is just praise me, he says. So now, do we understand, praise team, how important our job is when we come here? And then when others are coming in, how important it is to be in the spirit of praise? What happens to all us hooked up in the spirit of praise? What, what will happen? Just think about it. A lot of things that you left, when you get back to it, it won't be the same. Why? Because you, you took that weapon, that spiritual weapon called praise. And there's a lot of other guys that I, he said, that's, God says, I'm going to give them to you. He said, I want you to teach the people how to use their weaponry. They've been using the wrong thing. He said, the body of Christ has been using the wrong thing. Because their weapons are spiritual. They're not carnal. They're not fleshly. And the weapon that you have in your mouth huh, called praise, you'll begin to praise God. It is mighty and pulling down strongholds. How many folks got some strongholds? God says, where you want to get rid of them? You should start praising. Start praising. Start praising. 
God said, that's what pulls down strongholds. Use your spiritual weapons. Use your spiritual weapons. Use your faith. Use your prayer life. Begin to use those things that spiritual God says, those weapons. Use your joy. Use your peace. He said, all these things are weapons that he, he has given us. We've got to begin to use it. Why? We're fighting a spiritual enemy. Most of the time we're fighting flesh and blood. No. That's why we keep losing. Because Satan is spiritual. Remember about the limbic system in the mind? The more you feed it, the stronger it gets. The more you feed it, the stronger it gets. Until you have no more power. It takes completely over. Start using it, pray. Start using praise. Start using praise. When, when the devil want to cut up, start praising God. Start singing a tune. Start humming a song. And watch the, the enemy get disturbed. He'll get disturbed. Come on, y'all. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. We're going to have battles. But God says, I learned to use your spiritual weapons. Many, many, many of us have been going through battles. Battles, battles, battles.